0: Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. So, I, I had a, a thought in my mind, and it was talking about being stagnant in our faith. And it goes back to everything that's happened through this whole last two years, almost of the coronavirus and everything that's happened in the world, the world changing, the world evolving into something totally different than it was two years ago. I mean, it's totally different, in a complete different world. We react different to people. We 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 talk to people differently than we did. Uh, we we change the way we 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 live and the way we 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 uh, communicate, even to an extent, because of this coronavirus. We. We're afraid to get it. We're afraid that somebody else might have it. We're, you know, And we never know. We never know. Um, but we have to continue to live. And when continuing to live, we have to continue to evangelize. If we are involved in ministry and we're involved in a church, we have got to continue to evangelize. I'm so excited that we started back the Wednesday small groups. And you say, well, have you been enjoying them? I haven't made one yet. <laughs> <laughs> But don't talk bad about me, but that's just the way it's worked out. So uh, the boys have been coming, uh, niece has been coming, but I have not made my one this so far because I've been working. And it always seems to fall out on a Wednesday. I don't know why that is, but this week I'm going to do my very best to make it happen. But, um, but I'm excited to see that we are opening up for an opportunity for evangelism in the church again. Not just our four, no more. Because we're worried about everybody else coming in here and that they might have it, they might not. But who cares? If God is involved in it, we need to be loving people in spite of our fear. And, and I'm not trying to say, oh, discount, discount uh, all the COVID warnings. No, I'm not saying to do that at all. I'm saying we've got to love people and reach out to people in spite of the COVID. Because this is a time where people need to hear the gospel more than ever. And if they're not coming into the church to hear the gospel, then how are we going to get reach them? How are we going to get them involved? How are we going to get them here? Stagnant water starts to smell and accumulate algae. You know, the church for so long, we're like, oh, you can't meet in, in at the church because it's a, it, it'll be a super spreader, they were calling them. And then we, we they said, well, okay, now you can meet at the church if you're careful and wear masks and do all these things and do all this stuff. And so we did all that to make sure that nobody caught it. But in that time, the people of the church have gotten a little cold. They've gotten a little distant. They forgot the ministry that we should be involved in. It's kind of pushed off to the side saying, well, we just got to keep our group together and protect everyone. But that's not what God called us to do. He told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And you say, well you're telling us something totally different than what we're, we're seeing on TV and I'm not trying to discount or discredit anything that you're seeing on TV. I'm just saying that our job is not to sit at home and not be involved in ministry anymore. Stagnant water starts to smell and accumulate algae and grow mosquitoes. Can you put that picture up or was you able to get it on there? Flowing and not stagnant. There it is. Y'all know this. Y'all probably seen this very picture. It's on the River Dump Road. I took it when Nisa took it for me this morning and that's pretty nasty water. Who wants to go get a cup of that? Exactly. Flowing, not stagnant. I should uh it should we should be like a river of living water, flowing uh not stale and stagnant or still. Uh but What are some of the problems with stagnant water? For one thing, it'll it'll stink. I remember one time when I was a kid, our field flooded. And Daddy has a pond, or had a pond, and 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 a, we had Chicken Creek. Now, many of y'all have probably heard of Boggy Creek. You know there was movies made about it. It was called The Legend of Boggy Creek. And anyway, Boggy Creek is a, a Chicken Creek is a subsidiary that feeds into Boggy, and uh, and I lived right on Chicken Creek growing up, and um, it flooded between the pond and the house. But when all the water receded. And the pond went back to the pond, the creek went back to the creek. There was all kinds of water between it. But the ground was so saturated from the flood that the water had nowhere to go. So it sat out there for months and on top of the ground and stagnant and stunk. And the cows, when they would walk in it, they'd bury up to their hocks on it. And, and we had to go out there and uh, and, and and pull cows out. And I, every calf that was born during that time was born in that slosh pit mess. And so we would get out there and, and have to pull them out, and it stunk. The mud literally stunk. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can y'all smell it? Exactly. It stinks, don't it? You can smell it with me because it's a memorable smell that we can relate to. Oh, that stinks. That's stagnant. That's, that's gross. The world's starting to see the church that way. Because we have become so stagnant and smelly and gross, We're not effective for the kingdom of God, and we're not reaching out and loving people the way we should. And I think that we are missing the mark by doing everything that we're doing and not having the the passion for people and the lost at this time and this age of the way the world is going. We have all been in that state of stagnancy, just sitting around and not doing much spiritually and not a lot of growth, not a lot of forward motion or stepping out of my comfort zone or my current zone or in a place of sitting still, stewing and complaining. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We start to get kind of nasty and gross, a lot like stagnant water. God will impress on us that we need to get moving and stop sitting spiritually idle we have cannot set spiritually idle and make a difference for the kingdom of God. The church as a whole cannot set idle and not make a difference for the kingdom of God. What we have done is become so stagnant and still and unimportant to the world. Stagnant water, spiritually, and can affect every one of us. Water stagnation occurs when water stops moving, stops flowing and can be a major hazard. Stagnant water is gross. It starts to get cloudy, discolored, stinky, grows bacteria, and makes feeding and breeding ground for bugs and parasites. We can become stagnant spiritually too with the same similar effects. Things can start to become cloudy and unclear. When we become stagnant, we need to cons- a constant clarification. The answers and the directions don't always come easy in the, the this state of stagnancy. Things can also become somewhat unclear or cloudy and appear abnormal when we become stagnant. We can sometimes get a sense of that something just doesn't look or isn't right or isn't the same as it was before. Today, we come to church and where we we're running large numbers in our congregations now, we're not running as many. And one of the things that brought me and clarified this for me this week was Madison went to a concert in Fayetteville this weekend. She was up there with two of her friends. And uh, they had a a great time. They were there. They had a wonderful time at the concert. 17,000 people there. Why are we not having 17,000 people in the churches on Sunday morning? They'll gather for something like that. Oh, but we got to be careful when we go to church. But yet we go to Walmart. We go to Home Depot. We go out to eat. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these things. But the church must be the most important thing in the, in this world, and yet we have gotten to the point to where it's not. It's not a priority. Well, I can watch it online or and I'm great. I think it's wonderful that there's a lot of people that's online. There's a And Madison was sharing with me. She rode back with me. Uh, we went to eat last night for Nisa's birthday. By the way, today is Nisa's birthday. So uh, we went out to eat last night with some friends of ours in, uh, for her birthday over in Hot Springs. And Madison rode back to me, and I dropped her off in Arkadelphia. And she was telling me about the... Uh, she was telling me about the... Uh, the way the concert went and everything. And I forgot why I started that. Stagnancy promotes bacteria and spiritual growth. Uh, Oh, and she was telling me about the online church. And there's a young lady. I say young lady. She's one of the uh, elders in the church. And she was very faithful prior to COVID. And she has um, asthma and some other health-related issues. So she's not been out of the house since COVID started. Her son comes by, drops all of her food off, drops all of her meals off, and then leaves. Well, Madison was doing a uh, 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 a shut-in visit for her, of course, and her and one of the ladies from the church went over there. And the lady, this was her response. What's the world like out there? What's the world like out there? What broke Madison's heart? She's like, it's pretty much the same as it has been. You know, she's just kind of being cheery and and happy. But it broke her heart because she was trying to understand. This lady has not been out of the house since this all started, and here she is. She has no idea of what's going on except for what she sees on TV and what she sees on the ra- here's on the radio, and her son tells her and shares with her. Stagnancy and separation and isolation is the devil's breeding ground. He feeds on it. He he, he loves it. If he can isolate us from each other, he's winning. Stagnancy also promotes bacteria growth, which can be a spiritual equivalent for things becoming infested and infected almost as if we were spiritually sick. Stagnancy can lead to weakening and parts of our spiritual growth in life and can weaken and die spiritually. When we are spiritually stagnant, it can also lead to nasty stench to God's nose. Isaiah 65, second part of that verse says, These people are a stench in my nostrils, an acrid, an unpleasant smell that never goes away. I don't want to be a stink in God's nostrils. And just as I drew your attention to the smell that you could already smell a while ago, that is the way it is when God smells our sin and our unbelief and our lack of trust. Additionally, just like stagnant water attracts bugs and parasites, a stagnant spirit will also invite unwanted intruders. Spiritual stagnancy invites apathy, negative attitudes, unchristlike and sinful actions. God does not want us to become spiritually stagnant. It will come about at the time that I, uh, Zephaniah 1 and 12, there it is. uh, It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit, who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good or evil. Zephaniah 1 12. And that's in the New American Standard version of the Bible that I read. But what I want to point out there is, we have people in the world today that says, well, there is no God. And they'll say it on the news. Have you all heard it? I have. And they'll say it on the news, and they, and they believe that in their hearts. But the Bible says only a fool says in their heart there is no God. So whenever they start talking like that, I'm, I'm immediately, well, that's a fool. Because he admitted it on his own. I didn't have to I didn't have to judge him. He said it on his own. Now, when someone says things like that, does it quicken your spirit? Man, it does me. Gosh, I have a, a guy that I went to high school with, and I've probably talked about him before because it really bothers me. Uh, that he just believes that we need a crutch. To live on. That's the reason we have Christianity. Y'all, know, have y'all ever met somebody like that? That he believes that Christianity is nothing more than a crutch. Because you have to have a reason for people dying. When people are lost and, and, and they die. You have to have a reason for it. And that's the reason we have Christianity. And that's the way he explains it. He lost his wife to cancer. I sent him a message on Facebook. We went to high school from the time we started kindergarten to the time we graduated. And now he's a doctor. And so I sent him a uh I sent him a message. I said, hey, Brian, I want you to know I'm praying for you. He goes, okay, whatever. In his heart, and his mind, he did not understand that. He cannot fathom it. Very educated, smart man. But he has educated himself to the point to where that he's reasoned away God. And it happens in our in our in our colleges more than we even want to know or understand because we've seen it uh <laughs> you're stale revelations 3 and 16. y'all know the scripture it says that if uh we are not hot or cold God will spew us out of his mouth neither hot nor cold he'll spew us out well I love the message translation of this it says you're stale you're stagnant you make me want to vomit flowing is better aren't you glad that the lord can flow through us flowing water makes stagnant water fresh and pure similarly similarly <laughs> when we start flowing spiritually it will purify and clean up the negative effects of stagnancy. And this is a great scripture in Ezekiel 47 verse 8 that to illustrate that. Then he said to me, the river flows east and through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty water of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. <laughs> when God came into us and we were saved, we had dead salt water. But he began to flow through us and flush through us. And then our water was made pure. Just as it was at the Dead Sea by the stream coming in. Aren't you glad that we are made anew this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ? And it can flow through us and renew us and refresh us and make us what God intends for us to be. God wants us to be flowing for our own benefit and for the benefit of others. Flowing is a positive thing. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. John 7, 38. Uh, Anyone who believes in me, may come and drink, for the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. The Lord will guide me, and continually giving uh, giving. Water, when you are dry and restoring your strength, you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, Isaiah 58 and 11. Aren't you glad of that this morning? But if we stay home and we stay away from the Word and we don't continue to grow spiritually, then what are we becoming? We're becoming stagnant. We're becoming ineffective for the kingdom of God. But as long as we are connected to the source, it can still flow through us. I'm reminded of many years ago, I had a young man, his name's Jonathan Inslee, and he was working with me on on a job up in uh, Rising, Arkansas, and we were redoing this old house, and and, uh, Jonathan was with me, and I said, hey, go plug in that extension cord for me. And he said, okay. So he runs off, and he plugs in the extension cord, and I'm at the mitre saw, and I'm fixing to cut the board. And I said, you plug it in? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, I must have tripped a breaker. So I walk into the building. I check the breaker box. All the breakers are good. And I thought, okay, I didn't trip a breaker. So I go back out, and I said, where'd you plug it in at? He said, right there. It was a green extension cord plugged into a green extension cord. So it was a complete circle. (laughs) If we are not connected to the power, it can't flow to us and through us. Of course, Jonathan got a really hard time over that. A really hard time. But anyway, uh, and he still does. That's been 10 years ago at least. (laughs) If we have any spiritual stagnancy in our lives, it's time to get flowing. You're a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon song of solomon 4 15 4 and 15 we need to take steps to start flowing spiritually and stop being stagnant first we have to self-evaluate are you stagnant do you display any of the effects of our symptoms of stagnancy then remove whatever is causing the stagnation you got to check for clogs what's keeping the water from flowing in your life because i was reading a An illustration, I didn't put it in my notes, but I guess I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. I was reading an illustration where a guy's uh, culvert got stopped up. And he didn't go out there and clean it immediately. Well, then it wound up causing his family to get ill because it stayed stopped up for so long. And all he had to do was go out there and clean the debris out so it could flow again. Sometimes we don't clean the debris out and let it flow through our lives because we just let it stack up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all have seen that first log blow up against that culvert and it not go anywhere. And then everything that comes behind it just piles up. And it just causes the water to stand on the backside of the culvert. And don't let it flow through. So now you've got this water standing that's no longer being able to move. And you get a little trickle here or there or yonder every once in a while. But it's not flowing. But God needs us to have it Flowing through us on a daily basis so that we can be a witness to this world. We stop things up in our lives. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. What are we searching our hearts for? When, brother, you know, the, the Scripture tells us before we take communion, we need to search our hearts and make sure that we're pure every time. And, and, uh, and I think about that in the Scripture as well. When we take in communion, Lord, is there anything in me that would that's not like you? Is there anything I need to check? Is there anything I need to know? But what are some of the causes of spiritual stagnations, and why are we satisfied staying there? Why are not we satisfied with leaving the log up there so it's holding all the water back? Why are we satisfied with it? Well, let me give you a few examples. Sin. Hebrews 11 and 25 says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, there's pleasure in sin. So we don't want to clean it out because we want This is fine. It is for a little while. Well, the scripture says it's for a season. But then... There comes judgment. Then we also have weariness. Has anybody ever got tired and worn out working for the kingdom of God? Have you ever got so disgusted and weary? We had, when I was youth pastor at and we had three funerals in a week's time. One of them was a deacon's wife. One of them was the mayor's wife of the town. And one of them, uh, I can't remember who the third one was. But we had three funerals the same week. And you talking about emotionally drained. When you're ministering to people. I remember walking into. We left one house where we went after service on a Sunday night to pray for this individual. And we went into her house and we prayed for her, And we left her house and said, oh, we got to go to the hospital. Somebody's there. And we walk into the hospital in Camden, Arkansas. It's me and the pastor and one of the deacons. We walk in, and a gentleman meets me at the door and said, she's gone. I said, oh, no, no, no. She just had a heart attack. And it, I was stopped in my tracks, literally. I was prepared to pray for the lady, give her a nitro drip, and let her come home. That, in my mind, was what was going to happen, Okay. But when I walked in that door, he hit me with the fact that, and I mean, I walked through the double doors. Y'all know how it is set up over there. And he said, she's gone. I wasn't ready to minister that way. I turned around and walked right back out the same doors I came in and stood up against the wall and said, God, I wasn't ready for this. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not ready for this. I was not ready for what I walked into. The other la- She passed away that night, and the other lady passed away about 3 o'clock in the morning. And we had prayed for both of them the same night that God would heal them. And we prayed all the way driving there. And I thought, dear Lord, why? That week was an emotional tra- uh, train wreck trying to deal and hold a positive attitude while you dealt with the loss of those loved ones. If you've never been in that situation where you're in the pastorate position and you're trying to minister to people that are hurting, Sister Rita, you know what I'm talking about. You know the pain that goes through that, and the, and you feel every emotion they do, and with them, and it's why. What are some of the causes of spiritual stagnation? And we're back to weariness. Galatians six and nine says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up." That is the reason we have to keep it flowing through us; is we will reap the harvest if we refuse to give up. Another one is unforgiveness, and we've heard it said many times. Unforgiveness is is. Uh, like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Because unforgiveness is within our heart. It's our, it's within our spirit and we can't get rid of it. And Mark 11, 26 says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. How can he forgive you if you can't forgive others? We have got to live with the spirit of unforgiveness in our lives. All right, with the spirit of forgiveness in our lives. I said it backwards, sorry. Bitterness, Job 21 and 25, another another person dies in bitter poverty, never having tasted the good life. We can die and never have enjoyed the pleasure of being in the presence of God. We can die being bitter at a world that is hateful and mean. And how many of you have been cut off in traffic this week? I was on the phone with my sister, and she said, that's the second time this morning." I said, well, maybe you need to slow down. But we can, we can have this attitude where the world's out to get me, but is it? Are we living in such an aggressive, angry spirit that we are missing the point of what everyone else is doing? And we just see it as an attack on us as individuals. You say bitterness is a poison as well as unforgiveness and we can be so bitter and angry at the world that we quit living we quit enjoying life we don't have the presence of god resting in us and that is another log blocking the culvert so the water can't flow through the scripture got the uh, got to me because I'm guilty of it okay <laughs> Uh, when, uh, whenever, whenever somebody cuts me off, I hit that horn. Does anybody else do that? I mean, does anybody else get aggravated driving down the road? Are you got somebody on the phone texting, talking, not paying attention? And we can't just get our flow from anywhere. The flow has to come from God. You don't have to be flowing of one accord, our own accord. We are a channel. We are a a a, a river that God can flow through. God can cause us to flow and gush forth again if we allow Him. You, co- the church, can flourish again, but we have to open up and move the col- uh, the logs out from and from the culvert so the water can flow you caused the springs and streams to gush forth and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Psalms 74 and 15. Then when you get your flow from God, you can use what's come through you to flow out of you as well. In other words, we have to pay it forward. We've got to be able to show the love that other people showed us. I still remember the day that, uh, that I got saved. I know it's been forever ago. I turned 47 this week. And it was when I was five. And. Uh, we was at the old church at Falk. And a man by the name of David Morris. Was my Royal Ranger leader. And he gave the devotion at the end of the Royal Ranger class. And he said does anybody want to be saved. And I raised my hand. And. There was an old fellowship hall on the side of the sanctuary that you opened up the side door to come into the sanctuary right by the altars. And uh, Brother uh, Aiken was the pastor. Roy Aiken was my pastor at the time. And Brother Aiken was doing the Wednesday night service. And David walked in and he said, excuse me, I want to interrupt this service. This young man wants to get saved. By this time, I'm embarrassed as I could be. He done walked out and stopped the service. But then every person in that church came and gathered around me and put their hands on me and prayed for me that night. And I felt like the most important person in the world when I got up from that altar because they stopped the service to pray for me. I was important enough for them to invest something into me that moment. And today I stand here 42 years later thinking, I was important that night and God still thinks I'm important today. We have to be able to let the Spirit flow through us. We have to be able to be able to minister even when we're not feel like ministering. Does that make sense? Have you ever been there? Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. (laughs) I remember another investment in my life was a man by the name of Don Norton. When I was nine years old, Brother Don Norton was my pastor. And and we were, he drove a school bus because the church didn't pay him enough to be able to afford to feed his family. So he drove a school bus full time and pastored the church. Well, he was ministering to the gentleman that ran the bus shop and Brother Roy. And he went over to Brother Roy and he'd go over there every day and he'd meet with him and, and, uh, and pray with him. And they would drink a cup of coffee together and he'd go on. Well, he won that whole man's family to the, to the kingdom by ministering to him and just spending time with him on a daily basis. And he come back and preached his funeral when he passed away, but Brother Don, when I was on my recess one day, he was over there, and uh, I saw him, and I run up to the fence, and I was just going to speak to him, and I said, "Hey, you know," and and so not only did he come and talk to me, he spent my entire recess until the bell rang visiting with me and just talking to me, asking me how my dog was, you know, and. In, in a, unimportant stuff, but I remember the conversation we had because he made an investment into my life. And it was just a simple conversation, but it, be, it was letting Jesus flow through him in a point to where that even today, he don't remember that conversation we had, but I do. And he don't like for people to me to remind people that I was nine when he was my pastor either. So he's like, you, you could win all day without saying that. scripture states that we should be flowing rivers of living water not dead water not gross nasty stagnant water you should be flowing out unmoving or, un, or standing water flowing means active and requires purposeful activity when you pull that when you undo that culvert and you pull that log back and you the water begins to flow the first thing you see is all this nasty junk just pile through it just as fast as it can go. And that, 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 that when that water gets through that culvert, then it starts to clean up. And you have this refreshing water come behind it. And you don't mind drinking that clear water that come behind it. But you sure don't want to drink that nasty water that flowed out at the beginning. Now, how many of y'all ever drank out of a creek when you were a kid? I mean, I'd have died of thirst if I didn't drink out of creeks when I was a kid. Now, I wouldn't do it at all but uh, but uh, but it, it's just totally different than it was then for some reason. but yeah we there was many times we'd be out running around in the woods and we'd just have a bottle with us and we'd type, catch a bottle full of water and turn it up and drink it. but uh anyone who believes in me, John 7: 30, 38 says anyone who believes in me may drink, come and drink for the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Aren't you glad that you can have those rivers of living water flow through you today? Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. and, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He is with us always, if we'll let him be. But sometimes we push him to the back and we put that culvert in the way and, and cut, block that culvert off so that he can't flow through us. Well, not right now, Lord. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Mark 16 and 15. When we were at... Uh, and I'm going to read a pretty good passage of scripture here out of Deuteronomy 6 and 8. It says, When we were at Mount Sinai, The Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break up camp and move on. Have you ever stopped on top of a mountain and just hung out or a big hill? Anybody ever climbed like one of the the, uh, trails up in Little Rock on Pinnacle Mountain? Got to the top of it and you just stood up there for a while because, hey, I'm here. I'm going to enjoy the view. Y'all know what I'm talking about? okay. These guys had been camping out. They had been on top of the mountain for a few days, and they were just enjoying the view, but they weren't doing anything for the kingdom of God. They were just stopped. They were stagnant. The Lord said, get up and move. He said, you've been still long enough. Let's go. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land. Of the Canaanites and the Lebanon, and to the Lebanon, and all the way to the Great Euphrates River. Look, I'm going all the way, all this land to you. I'm going to give all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land of the Lord, I swore to you, swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all of their descendants. Go occupy the land. It's ours. He's already given it to us. We just have to go occupy. It. We have to go share the word. We have to go share the gospel. We have to be active, not stagnant. We can't stand on the mountain any longer. We got to move. He said, go. It's, you've, you've been still long enough. The church has been still long enough. We've got to get up and move. We can't stand on the mountain of our salvation and say, look, I have arrived. Because you have not arrived until you get to heaven. We have a job to do until we get there. So we got to keep, we got to go. Finally, get busy flowing the good stuff, the fruits of the Spirit. You should be flowing love, flowing comfort, flowing wisdom, flowing peace. Basically, you need to be flowing all of the roots of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. I'm going to have to stop preaching right there. That's getting on my own toes. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, and peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Galatians 5, and 23. There's no law telling us we can't be nice to people. Yet. I would love to see the writing of that one. We need to be actively flowing with the fruits of the Spirit. We should be. Number one, showing love even when it's hard. Have you ever seen somebody hard to love? Woo. I have had to. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, let me not go there. Some <laughs> I used to tell my daughters all the time, don't make it hard for me to love you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all had those moments with your children as well. Don't make it hard for me to love you. Having joy even when things look hopeless. I have been in the most hopeless situations that I never dreamed I would be in. And to find hope at the bottom of it was very difficult. Sometimes it's time hard to see the light in a situation where the dark is so empowering and overcompassing that you cannot see light anywhere because there's so much hopelessness. But God will bring us through it if we will let him. We have to open up that door and say, you know, God, I need you to flow through me again. I need you to. And I remember the day, and I've shared this before here, I know, that God opened up that door. And I said, you know, God, it's either a put up or shut up moment. Either I preach this Sunday or I walk away from everything I've known and believed in my entire life and say, I don't believe in God no more. I was at that point in my relationship with him at the moment that he brought me back and he ministered to me and renewed my faith and my trust in him with a sermon that, he, that I've only preached twice since the day I wrote it. And um, it's one of those that you don't just preach anywhere because it's more personal for me than it was for the church that I shared it with. And when I tell you that I'm not trying to put a feather in my hat, I'm trying to say that there is hopelessness and I know every one of us in here have experienced situations similar to mine. And because of that, we've all went through hopeless situations, circumstances and feelings of inadequacy and problems in lives and and where the world has just attacked us and we're hopeless. But we have to minister even through the hopelessness in our lives. We have to be able to minister even in spite of our hopelessness. Having peace during a troubled time. I'd say we're living in a pretty troubled world. What would y'all say? It don't get any more troubled to me than what we're seeing on the news and the uproar and the discontent and the confusion. And the Bible tells us that God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. So I'm saying that all these things that we're seeing on the news and the, the uproar in our government. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. And if the Lord doesn't come quickly, I would be surprised. We are so close to the end time. We could probably start jumping now and meet him halfway. I say that in jest, but I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be literal. We are to the point where God is about to come and take his church away from this place. We shouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen today. You know, because we, you know, we we are right here. It seems like on every turn. There's bad news or something else is changing or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. But we are right at the point of the church coming, being taken out of here. And we have to, we should always be showing patience and withholding any natural tendencies of anger or impatience. Just like me a while ago, getting aggravated when somebody pulls or cuts me off in traffic. It's real quick to hit that horn. Real quick to show my frustration. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I know y'all ain't perfect either. But being impatient, we can do it real quick. We can show our frustration even before we mean to. Because it's frustrating when somebody does something like that. Can't they see me here? Don't they know I'm driving on this road too? Y'all know what I'm talking about, y'all. I ain't the only one said those things. They think they're the only one on the road. And being kind, even when it's undeserved. Displaying goodness and generosity through selfless acts. Aiming to do no harm. Having faith and trust contrary to any tendencies of disbelief and doubt. Being gentle when it's easier to react harshly. And lastly, maintaining self-control when it fights against every natural instinct. You have to act or react otherwise. Have you ever had to maintain your self-control when you wanted to just blow up? I'll show you back there. I'm fixing to talk about you. O'Shea came in one night, and his girlfriend was with him. And he said, Hey, me and Shayla's going to run to the corner. The corner's four miles from the house, it's nine o'clock. O'Shea gets to the corner, and they've done put up the deli for the evening. They were already, you know, there wasn't no food. So he said, Hey, we're going to run to McDonald's. McDonald's is 25 minutes from the house. So they go to McDonald's in Camden, 9 o'clock goes by, well he left at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock goes by, and I thought, oh he'll be back in a minute, 11 o'clock goes by, he'll be back in a minute, so by 11 o'clock I'm looking at the phone trying to figure out where he's at, you know what I'm talking about, 12 o'clock goes by, calling the hospitals, calling the emergency rooms, calling the police departments, y'all know what I'm talking about, 1 o'clock goes by. I get out, start driving the highway, looking for him. Two o'clock, we get a phone call. Hey, we were out at Locust Bio. We didn't have no signal. Visiting his family, her family. I was frustrated, to say the least. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Did I want to be angry and upset? Oh, Yeah. I didn't, Nisa did. <laughs> I was like, if I go off on him tonight, because of the situation, the circumstances I feel in my spirit, I'll push him away. So instead of causing the problem in the, that I could have caused that night by being angry and throwing a fit, I just said, go to bed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. By that moment, I had calmed down, and I said, son, don't ever do that to me again. I said, it's not against you, but when I've been in the circumstances where I didn't know where my daughter was at, every memory, every feeling, everything that happened that day come rushing right back through me, just like the moment it happened. Was it his fault? No. Was it? It was, it was just my feelings. I could have lost it that night, not because of the way the just I was aggravated because he should have let me know where he was at and he's done really well since then. that's been several months ago. but you know it's one of those things that he didn't understand how it was going to affect me and I could have easily pushed him away by doing those by going off on him, letting my anger show. but I knew in my spirit that if I did, I would push him away. And I'd work too much too hard to build the relationship with that young man to do that. We have to be able to maintain and our self-control. Our nature wants to raise up and act out and show our frustration. But at the same time, we have to calm down, pull ourselves back, and say, What damage will it cause? What am I going to do here that's going to destroy my relationship, This the, the kingdom? How is this going to affect the kingdom of God? How many of you have ever stopped and had to make a decision based on that? And I know if you've ever been in full-time ministry, you have, because I've been there. How is this going to make the church look? Maybe you've become stagnant, and I'm closing. Maybe you've become stagnant in your spiritual formation. Because of pride, or you're not living by the fruits of the Spirit, or been trying to do everything on your own, or maybe it's become, you become stagnant, or maybe you've become uh, careless. You've been expecting God to do everything, and you just sit back and wait for it to happen. Being dependent and disciplined is the way forward. We work and we trust. We will thrive. With the strength God provides, we can rekindle and begin a strong pursuit, anchored firmly in the power, but we cannot remain stagnant.